UConn is a national champion. Darius Miles has pleaded not guilty to his murder charges. John Elway is no longer with the Broncos. Did the First Lady of the United States really invite both Iowa and LSU to the White House? Cam Newton has a list of quarterbacks he wants to back up. Does Bill Belichick really want to trade Mac Jones? The Arizona Cardinals are accused of cheating by a former employee. And the New Orleans Pelicans pulled off a big win from an unlikely hero. We've got a lot to talk about on this Friday episode of Jake's Take. Let's go. What is going on, everyone? Thank you so much for tuning in to Jake's Take. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Silverman, at Jake's Take Podcast, at Jake Silb 14 Joining me later on for Christy's Corner is my co-host, Christy. You can find her on Instagram and TikTok, at Marie underscore double zero. And as always, this is sponsored by Variety Sports Network, at Variety underscore sport underscore. You're home for all sports in different forms and varieties. Well, a lot has happened since our 100th episode, our Tuesday episode. First and foremost, thank you so much for helping us all get to 100 episodes. I'm truly appreciative of all that and all the love and support. It really means a lot. But more on that later. Obviously, when we recorded, we had not witnessed the national championship game for basketball. And UConn came out on top. They beat San Diego State. And really, this is just a terrific performance from this UConn team because they had such a dominant team performance throughout March Madness and they were a four seed so they weren't even the number one seed they weren't even you know the top seed they weren't even the top seed in their conference that was actually Marquette and they had a record of 31 and 8 they were 13 and 7 in the Big East but even just look at some of these results you know in your first game against Iona they won 87 to 63 next game against St. Mary's 75 to 55 Sweet 16 against Arkansas 88 to 65 Elite 8 against Gonzaga 82 to 54 that's against Gonzaga you know Gonzaga is a really good basketball team the next game in the final four against Miami 72-59 and then the national championship against San Diego State, 76 to 59. A lot of these wins are not only double digit wins, but they're more than 10, maybe about almost close to 20. I mean, this one against Iona, you know, Ripetino and Iona, that's a 24 point win. And you had a 15 point win against St. Mary's. But still, really, this one against Gonzaga is big. So with this, you know, it's exciting. We're super excited. Now, I know you're going to say, well, you know, we don't really highlight Connecticut on this show. We don't, but I mean, we have to pay our respects due to uh, these teams and these coaches for all the things that they do when it comes to winning a national championship. I mean, we did it for the Golden State Warriors last year. We've done it for Georgia. We've done it for the Chiefs. So, you know, even if these teams aren't from the South, we still want to focus on them. Now, Dan Hurley has won his first championship in his five-year tenure. That's amazing. You know, you look at Connecticut and they are a team that has had a great coach before. You know, Jim Calhoun had won previously and that's really big. And then the last time they won was in, you know, 2014. So really looking at this, you know, this is a lot for Dan Hurley because he had some struggles. You know, it took him some time to kind of get things going. And really with this, you know, it makes things a lot better for him. So, you know, we're definitely excited for him. And then, you know, Kevin Ollie beforehand, he had some success with 
UConn and, you know, he led them to the win in 2014. But still, with Dan Hurley, you know, this is definitely big for him. And, you know, he finally overcame the struggles that he had, especially when they were in the American Athletic Conference. Then they went back to the Big East. There was a whole alignment a few years ago, and it caused some confusion and some struggles, but they got it figured out, which is what's great. But still, there's a lot to be proud of with this team. And really with this, like I said, you know, they weren't even the top seed in their conference. They were, I think, the third. They lost to Marquette. So still, I mean, this is just huge for this team. Now, it comes up with the question of, are they a basketball blue blood again? Now, basketball blue blood is when a team is considered an elite class of basketball. That's your Duke, your Kentucky, your Kansas, your UNC teams. Has Connecticut ever been considered this? Technically, no, but I think they are making their case. However, it's going to come down to their performance in the future. When you look at teams like Kansas, Duke, Kentucky, and UNC, they've had dominant performances. They've had dominant championships. And with Kansas winning last year, that elevated their performance as a blue blood. With Duke, they're in a very similar situation. Same with UNC. Villanova's kind of in there. I could see UConn being considered a blue blood. And I think with this, you know, they'll keep it up and still be pretty good. But... It depends on their future, and Dan Hurley seems like the guy who can keep it up, especially after winning in his fifth year as a coach at UConn. Now, speaking of basketball, we did highlight the Women's National Championship for Women's Basketball in the LSU Tigers. You know, we're super proud of them. A team in the SEC was able to win, and really with this, you know, it was huge. And then things started getting weird because the First Lady of the United States has decided that they're going to invite both Iowa and LSU. However, here's the thing. LSU won. Now, this is not meant to be political. This is not meant to say anything about what the First Lady, Dr. Jill Biden, had done. But I don't think this is really, you know, sitting well with the players from LSU because I think one of them had said that they would just go hang out with Barack and Michelle. The point being is that it's a long time tradition where the champion of a sport goes and visits the president. And, you know, you show off their jersey, you crack a few jokes, you take some pictures. Alabama Crimson Tide had done it many times when Obama was in office. The Patriots have done it. And a lot of players and teams have done it. It's a tradition. It's exciting. And, you know, you get to kind of just, you know, have fun there. But this, this doesn't seem like we're honoring the tradition. This isn't really showing, hey, you know, we saw that you were the best team. We're going to invite you and you're going to be our number one priority. It's, well, we're going to invite you, but there's another team coming. Even though LSU won this game. Now, I know that there's all that conflict about the refs and Caitlin Clark ending the fouls. And Caitlin Clark is a terrific basketball player. But I still think with this, it's just not really fair for a championship team to have to share the spotlight when you get invited to the White House. Now, I don't know what Dr. Biden is trying to do. And I mean, maybe there's a reason behind it. But I think with this, you know, she really needs to reevaluate because looking at this, I'm seeing that it's not the right thing to do. 
you know, if you wanted to shout out the Iowa women's basketball team and say, hey, congratulations for what you were able to do and kind of see what happens, that's great. You know, give them a shout out. That's well deserved. But still, I feel like you're kind of taking the limelight away from the LSU women's basketball team. And they had a dominant year. They had a dominant performance. So why are you taking that away from them? Now, I don't want this to happen with other sports too, because let's say, for example, if the Kansas City Chiefs are invited, I think they already were invited to the White House, are you going to bring the Philadelphia Eagles? That's my point. I know what you're trying to do, and you're trying to show that, you know, it's important that we are honoring all of our sports and all of our competitors. But with this, it just doesn't add up. Now, next up, we've got the focus on Darius Miles. Now, I know we haven't talked too, too much about Darius Miles recently, but a few days ago, Darius Miles did plead not guilty for the murder charge that he had been tried for. He was arrested in January, and then he was also arrested alongside his best friend who is convicted of shooting the gun. But really with this, there was a lot of moving pieces. Now, he was there, he was in the car, he supplied the gun, so that all is evident. However, there was a lot that had happened in regards to, I believe, the information with Darius Miles, and there was a beautiful piece written about everything that had really gone off with this. I think with it, it's you know really important that we just kind of see how things hard handled. I mean, you know, he wasn't, you know, he was there and he had a part in it. And obviously, you know, someone is dead, but there was a article written that highlighted everything really well. And it kind of, you know, gets you thinking, you know, we kind of have to think about this in this regard and see what could be, you know, the happening with it or what could happen next. Now, a few weeks ago, there was a article written. This was on March 18th, and it was in regards to how there was video evidence illuminating the tragedy. In this deep dive, which was by Patch, a local website written by Ryan Phillips, it had stated how there was a breakdown of Brandon Miller's involvement and how there really wasn't one and how there was video evidence in regards to the shooting. However, there was also a part included that the person that was shot, her boyfriend is believed to have shot this first. Now, we don't know this for sure. Right now, there's still a lot of questions about this. But really with this, it does bring up a new point in regards to how the situation was handled. And brings up the question of could this have been self-defense? And when are we going to get a decision? Now that they have been indicted, and Darius Miles has pleaded not guilty, everything is still up in the air. But we do have, I don't want to say clarity, but we have different avenues to look at, and that could bring a whole change and a whole new decision in how things are handled in this case and in this hearing. And with it being Friday, it's time to settle in for Christie's Corner. Join Christy as she's going to break down some exciting news and updates in regards to NFL football and some trade rumors as well. The floor is yours, Christy. 
Next up, we've got a little bit of some NFL trade rumors in regards to one of my favorite players, Mac Jones. Now, this has been coming out for the past little while about how Mac Jones might be being shopped, and it has just been confirmed that Bill Belichick was looking at other teams for Mac to go to. But I think with this, these rumors need to definitely stop, and they just, oh, I don't know, need to give a kid a chance. Here's the thing. He hasn't gone into his third year yet. He had a pretty good rookie season. He got hurt last year, but it seems like people want to give up on him super easily. And I don't know why. You know, this is the whole critique with the NFL is that you have one bad season, then they're going to give up on you. But here's the thing about it, too. They put someone in charge of him who had never called offense before, and they had someone who's called special teams before. So, of course, when you run the same exact play and you're going to run the same, oh, I don't know, not only play call, but have your wide receivers run the same route or throw a screen, it's not going to help. So I feel like with this, you need to give the guy a chance. You know, year three is going to be a pretty big year for him. I mean, Rob Gronkowski had been asked about this, and Gronk had said that obviously year three is going to be a make or break. But he also said that with these rumors, they should be very much considered fake news. I don't think that they should be considering to trade Mac Jones because he's a locker room guy. He's well-loved in the locker room. And right now, you just also brought back Bill O'Brien. You brought in Juju Smith-Schuster and Mike Gusecki as your wide receiver and tight end. That'll help. But also with this, I don't know what kind of message Bill Belichick was trying to send because I know that last year there was some idea that Mac wanted to go outside the organization for help and just to kind of express his frustration. Remember, he's just a kid. He's in his 20s. He's still figuring some stuff out. When you're in your 20s and you're frustrated, you have to talk to other people. And I think that's what Mac was trying to do. So I feel like with this, it's definitely something that is a little upsetting because it could have been handled a little bit better. But it's also something he can learn from in regards to what he can do in the future. Mac is a pretty good quarterback, but you also have to surround him with good weapons. You know, surrounding him with Nelson Aguilar as your wide receiver one isn't going to really help. Jacoby Myers is gone and he was great, but he also had that really questionable fumble in the loss to the Raiders. And there were plenty of games that Mac was on the way of winning but then his defense just wasn't working or his offensive skill positions just weren't doing their part. So I think that they need to give Mac Jones another chance. I understand that there are things that he did that should not have been done, but it has been two years and he did not have a competent coaching staff with his offensive coordinators last year. And he needs more weapons. You know, why are people so quick to give up on him? You know, Trey Lance got hurt. No one's giving up on him. And people aren't giving up on quarterbacks when they have a down year. I mean, they gave Sam Darnold so many chances. They also give up on Josh Rosen probably too. The point being is that you have a quarterback who did well and gets along well with his teammates. Why would you try and break that up after he did one or two things that you didn't like? Now, he has the support of Robert Kraft. But then this is kind of reminding us of the situation with Tom Brady where Robert Kraft wanted to keep Tom, but Bill was thinking, oh, well, I can do really anything better. And that obviously did not work.
So I think at the end of the day, they need to give Mac another shot and they need to build the team around him because that way he can prove if he's the future or not. But right now, I think he has a good shot of being the future. He demonstrated that in his first year. But second year, y'all kind of were really quick to give up on him. Hi, welcome to another episode of Christie's Corner. I don't think I have any predictions this time for you, but there is a lot of news in the world of football. So I feel like the biggest story to start with is John Elway is no longer with the Broncos. I can't say I'm surprised, and I don't think um, it was anything like, you know, bad blood between anybody. The man is aging. He's aging well, but he is aging. Um, And simply his consultant contract just ran out, and they didn't renew it. And I think this was agreed upon by both parties. I almost look at this as his way of saying he's retiring. He said he's ready to move on and do things he's never done before. He didn't want to be tied down to any obligations. Um, But I do think he's going to be a resource still for the Broncos. Obviously, we're still going to see him at games and very involved in having an opinion with the team. And I don't think John Elway is going away forever. I'm sure we'll see him in ads and paid sponsorships and all sorts of things, and I'm sure he has a suite at the Broncos Stadium for life. So it's bittersweet, I'm sure, for Broncos fans, but I think he'll stay really close with the team. The next story is a little more deep, and um, there's a lot going on here. So Terry McDonough accused the Cardinals owner of cheating. So he accused general manager Michael Bidwell of cheating and harassment. He and Steve Wilkes were instructed to use burner phones from the former general manager, Steve Keim, um, while he was suspended for a DUI. And Terry believes that this kind of, I guess, put a stain on his name and prevented any advancement Um, and further positions with the team after he refused to continue participating in this plan and reaching out to the general manager. There was supposed to be no contact between him and anybody that was still on the team. And this happened all kind of during their training camp days. And of course, the people that are with the Cardinals now are denying any of it. They're saying they're not sure how Terry can come out and make these accusations against former co-workers and teammates it's all crazy to me it's all still very muddy and it's very much a he said he said kind of story right now so I think there's a lot more that's gonna come out of this and I am curious to see what happens maybe with the team or if any fines come out of this from the NFL so definitely keep your eyes open with that story The next one is um, college coaches, and it's somebody who's new, not new to college coaching, but new to a new state and a new team, and I'm talking about Hugh Freeze. Now, I had mentioned last week about Hugh Freeze and his comments about wanting to beat Alabama, which, fine, Auburn and Alabama is a big rivalry, the Iron Bowl game, so you're going to have the back and forth, but... I feel like Hugh Freeze needs a reminder 
that he's the new guy in town, he's the rookie, and he kind of just needs to sit back and let things go the way they go. So he had more comments about Alabama and games. His suggestion was that instead of an, a spring game where, you know, your team is just playing itself, basically, you're playing for starting positions, he suggested sort of an in-state exhibition-style game where Auburn would play UAB and Alabama would play Troy. Now, Alabama has never played Troy, ever, (laughs) and Auburn beat UAB one time. That's how many times they've played, one, and I think it was like 29-0. to So, would it be a fair matchup? Obviously, I don't think so, and I think he's just trying to use this as leverage to maybe almost see who is the better team in the whole state. I I don't know what he's trying to do. Now, do I agree that maybe these teams should have some type of game? I think it would be fun. Do I think it needs to be the spring game and I mean, I'm going to say a beatdown? No, I don't. I don't think that's fair. I don't know what I don't think anything's going to come out of this, but I think somebody needs to sit Hugh Freeze down, remind him of his role. Let him get at least one year at Auburn under his belt, and then he can start coming in and making these comments and suggestions. Another guy that seems like he's just full of suggestions is Cam Newton. So Cam Newton has released a list of quarterbacks that he said he would play backup for. Now, I'm going to go through the list, and I think once I start naming the names, you'll kind of see where this is going. He mentioned he would be back up for Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Justin Fields, Deshaun Watson, Tua, Jalen Hurts, Malik Willis, who's not currently a starter with the Titans, Sam Howell, Aaron Rodgers, um, and then he even added some newcomers, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, and Anthony Richardson. Now, I think, and I know I'm a little biased because I am an Alabama fan, so we just don't like Cam Newton, and he did terrible with Patriots, but he's almost becoming irrelevant to me, and dare I say a laughing stock, I'm almost holding him and Colin Kaepernick in the same hand now, and I do think Cam Newton is more skilled if he's surrounded with the right people and the right coaching staff. But he is digging himself into a hole that I don't think he's going to get out of. Now, could he be a successful backup? I do think he could. He could be a solid backup that a team could rely on and even bring him out to do some crazy kind of unexpected plays. But with him giving a list like these are the only people I'm going to back up, I just think it's giving him that diva mentality and no team is going to want to work with that, especially your last two seasons. He really doesn't have much to show for. Now, someone else who is in a similar boat with nothing to show for, but one of my favorites, Mac Jones. So there's a new story that just came out about some trade rumors. And the teams I saw that were in talk were the Raiders, Tampa, and Washington. Now, Bill Belichick He hasn't said anything, but by not saying anything, he's kind of denying that this ever happened and that this was talk of this. 
And I think on the Patriots side, that's because Mac has had a rough two years at the Patriots. So I don't think the Patriots would get enough right now to trade for him or to trade him away. And I think people are digging at a story that really isn't there and really isn't relevant. Now, we know Mac did reach out to outside sources for help because the coaching staff he had was not helpful to him and did not jive. Now, we know Bill O'Brien is coming back to coach him, and I think that's going to be good for him. So he was on his own last season. He was not coached. He had to do a lot for himself. So I don't think this is any more than just talk and speculation. And I don't think Mac's going anywhere. And are any other teams going to trade up for a quarterback? I think their time is running out. You know, the draft is coming soon. So we're going to see all of those rookie quarterbacks going to their teams. And I think we're really going to end the whole quarterback trade talk whenever Aaron Rodgers and the Jets decide on their deal. But we'll keep you posted on all these news stories. For those that celebrate Easter, I hope you have a fantastic and blessed Easter. And I will see you in a couple more episodes. Bye. And finally, we've got some excitement in regards to the New Orleans Pelicans. In regards to this focus, the New Orleans Pelicans had a come-from-behind win on Wednesday night. Now, this came a day after a loss to the Kings where the Pelicans were struggling. They couldn't figure out really anything, and they were playing iso ball, which is basically when Brandon Ingram had to put the team on his back. It didn't work. They fell way behind, and then they just looked gassed. And that's kind of what it was looking like in this game against the Memphis Grizzlies because they were down by 19 points. They haven't won a game this season where they're down by 19 or more points. They they were like 0-28, I think. Now they have a win, but they didn't lead in the game whatsoever. And really with this, you know, they had a great, I guess you could call it first, third, fourth, and overtime. Yeah, that's it. They basically went into overtime. And this is the Grizzlies team who is playing without John Morant. They were arresting a lot of their starters. But Jaron Jackson explodes. Dylan Brooks looks great, even though Dylan Brooks still likes to talk a lot of smack. Desmond Bain is playing well. And really with this, I'm looking at this and thinking, oh man, they are so going to blow this game. And they didn't, which is still very impressive because they had the help of an unlikely hero. And that hero is Herb Jones or Herbert Keyshawn Jones. Now, I'm a big Herb Jones fan. I always have been. I was woke. He went to Alabama. He's known for his defense. He had 35 points and he shot the three ball well. He was left wide open, and he made five of his threes from there. And this was a very big overtime win for this team just because this is when the wins matter. You know, over the last 10 games, they are 8-2, and and they only have losses to the Sacramento Kings and the Golden State Warriors. Now, I know that there are some questions there, too, where it's the, well, they 
beat the Clippers twice, and they didn't have Paul George, and they beat the Nuggets, they didn't have Jokic, so how good can this team be? This showed it right here. You know, they showed how great of a team they can be, which is terrific, but they also can't do this in the playoffs. Now, they've clinched a play-in appearance, which is great, but I think they want to avoid the play-in. Right now, they're the 8th seed. If they are the 8th seed, they would go to Los Angeles and play the Lakers for either the 7th, for the 7th spot. If they win, they get the 7th spot, and then they would go on and play the Memphis Grizzlies in the playoffs. If they lose, they have another shot against the ninth or the 10th seed, and then if they win that game, then they would go in and play the Nuggets. Either way, they would be playing the one or the two seed. There were talks about the Pelicans moving up to maybe the sixth seed. We're not really sure that's going to work anymore. Right now, the first four seeds are clinched, and that's the Nuggets, the Grizzlies, the Kings, and the Suns. And then you've got the Golden State Warriors, the Clippers, the Lakers, and then the Pelicans rounding out the bottom four. So really with this, they have a shot. But then there's also some questions too about, well, when when will they get Zion back? Is Zion coming back? How are they going to look when Zion comes back? And obviously if you have things you want to look at at that, you know, be sure to check out Locked on Pelicans with Jake Madison. He, you know, did a great job answering all these questions for me and He's been, you know, one of my favorite podcasts for the past year. But still, you know, this is an exciting team, an exciting time for these players. We just have to kind of be on the lookout because, like I said, they can't just be down by 19 points and decide, oh, we're going to come back. They have to play with that intensity the whole game. Basketball is a four-quarter game. It's not a three-quarter game. It's not a two-quarter game. But that's going to do on this Friday episode of Jake's Take. As always, thank you so much for all the love and support. We couldn't have grown without y'all. You can find this episode on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon Music. Basically on all podcast platforms. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, at Jake's Take Podcast. Or my personal Instagram, Jake'sTill14. You can follow Christy on Instagram and TikTok at ChristyMarie underscore double zero. And as always, this is sponsored by Variety Sports Network at Variety underscore sport underscore. You're home for sports in different forms and varieties. We will be back on Monday to recap some exciting news in regards to the NBA and just kind of highlight how the rest of the season is going to go. But as always, thank you so much for everything and helping us grow the show. Continue to be great. Be the best version of you you can be. Bring smiles to this world. Be a light in this world as we very much need light and sunshine to make things happier. And as always, we will see you here from y'all later. Take care.